0: The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 23, one of the most well known passages of scripture in the entire Bible, is where we're spending our time here over the course of these summer weeks. And uh, uh, we're going to continue that here through about the middle of August, then kick off a brand new series. But I want to just highlight a couple of things before we dive into Psalm 23, and that is you heard Danny talk about our youth at youth camp. Let's be praying for them. Also, you saw as you came in here today the, the, the kiddie pools out there. Uh, we're trying to make a big splash for the summer bash. You like that poetry? Um, And we're looking forward to serving over 750 people on August the 12th at our annual summer bash, just reaching out and loving on our community. Uh, There's several things that we'd love for you to consider bringing when you come to church on Sundays, and so you read about that on the screen. We really appreciate you considering that. Also want to just remind you that every uh, summer Sunday I'm leading our serve class, conversations and serving. Uh, If you're new to the church, if uh, you're considering getting involved in serving, you'd like to know more about opportunities, or maybe you're involved somewhere and would like to kind of expand your involvement, uh, make sure you join us, 9 o'clock, uh, right across the hall, that away, room one forty eight we 'd love to have you be a part of that. Also, you heard me say last week we are uh, in the process of growing 40 community groups here for the fall, really wanting to uh, promote engagement, community, and uh, connection, and uh, we're about halfway there, and so uh, uh, we'd love to build another five groups here this uh, week, and then another five the next, and another five the next as we make our way toward the fall, and we're doing a little different this time, kind of do-it-yourself groups. Uh, What I said last week is find a friend, pick a pal, and you two get together and say, hey, we're going to be a group, each of you find one more. There's four. You're on your way almost. And uh, I'm going to write the study guide as we uh, go through our uh, fall series. Uh, So I'll do the heavy lifting. You just get together. You can do it on Zoom. You can meet at the church. You can meet in your home. You can meet at the coffee shop. You can meet while you're walking your dog. How do you like that? And uh, we would love for you just to uh, find a way to to accomplish that. And if so, let me know about it because we want to celebrate that as we march forward. Well, Psalm 23, if you parse it in its phrases, contains 17 different promises. And we've kind of condensed and combined a little bit in this summer series to about 13 different messages. But I want you to just take a quick look. I've included all 17 of these on the sermon note sheet. If you go to the app, look at message notes, you'll see them all listed there. But I wanna just walk through them very, very quickly. These are promises from God Almighty to you. The first one, the Lord is my shepherd personal relationship. I shall not want provision. He makes me lie down in green pastures, rest. He leads me by the still water, refreshment. He restores my soul, renewal. He guides me in the paths of righteousness, the promise of guidance. For his name's sake, speaks to purpose. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, comfort. I will fear no evil, he'll help me overcome. For you are with me, the power and promise of presence. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, protection. You pair up the table before me in the presence of my enemies, hope. You anoint my head with oil, honor. My cup overflows, blessing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, assurance, forever, heaven. Who wants to talk about heaven? heaven. It's a promise available to everyone who believes. Why is it that we often go to the 23rd Psalm when we find ourselves in a difficult situation? It's because of these promises. It reminds us there's a God who is for us and cares about us and loves us so deeply. Today, I want to focus on one phrase within Psalm 23, verse 5, you anoint my head with oil. I want you to focus on those six words for a few moments. It's not common for us to use that kind of terminology a lot in our day and age, but it certainly was in the Near uh, East, the Middle East. It was a part of their tradition, and it meant something very, very significant. And I want to unpack that a little bit here as we get started today. The first thing that comes to my mind as I think about what this means to me is eternal blessing. Really what the psalmist David is saying to you and me is that as he anoints our head with oil. It's a symbolic expression of his eternal blessing upon your life and mine. In fact, Matthew Henry, uh, the great scholar and commentator about the 1700s or so, uh, wrote a commentary that, that many of us still use today. And it talks about the fact that God doesn't only anoint you and bless you in your present circumstance, but he blesses you forever. Say that with me, forever. How many like the sounds of that? blessing forever. That's the promise contained here in verse number five, eternal blessing. Picture this. God leads you through a dark, dark valley. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And we always, always know that on the other side of that dark valley is light at the end of the tunnel. God promises eternal blessing. Sit and soak in that a little bit here today. The second thing that comes to my mind is continual refreshing. Now, We talked a few weeks ago about uh, the wadis that exist in uh, uh, Palestine. Uh, You know, these are the, the valleys, the ravines, those kind of dangerous dark places. You know, the mountains come down into the valleys. The shepherd had to lead the sheep into the wadi valley because that's where they would find oftentimes the green grass, and that's where they would find the still water. The shepherd would always lead the sheep through the wadi. It was a uh, requirement if they were going to find their way. And I think there's a metaphor for you and me today. Life is always going to take us through the wadi, through the valley, through that dark place, the, the uncertain, the anxious moments, the difficult, the, uh, the dangerous places. You know, it was often at the valley of the wadi where, uh, you know, the sheep were more, most exposed, you know, predators, you know, wild animals or, or, or robbers. And certainly that was a danger, danger place. You know, as we think about the importance of continual refreshing, we can have the assurance that our God is with us at all times, even when it's difficult. Anybody experienced a difficult time this last week? Anybody walked through some dark, dark valleys this last week? Yeah, my hands up. I mean, seldom does a week go by that we don't go through hard things, you know, tough things. Difficult challenges of one kind or another. But to stop and think for a moment, wait a second, God is with me. Just like the good shepherd was with his sheep and their path would necessarily take them through the valley, the wadi, we are gonna go through those wadi experiences in our life, but we can know for sure that our God is with us. When we feel stressed, stretched, weary, discouraged, burdened, Jesus says, lean on me. I am with you through the wadis of life. There's another part of this phrase, anoint with oil, that I think is so very important. And it was part of a welcoming gesture in uh, the Middle East. Uh, You know, we think of that and go, that sounds really weird. I mean, if I came over to your house and I walked in and you put a bunch of vegetable oil all over my head, you know, that wouldn't feel real good. It'd feel a little awkward and a little (laughs) slimy. It certainly wouldn't be refreshing. But in the Middle East, imagine how hot and sticky and difficult and uncomfortable it is. This whole idea of being anointed with oil was something that was refreshing for whatever reason. It was refreshing. And it was a sign of hospitality and welcoming. When I think of you anoint my head with oil, I think of eternal blessing. I think of continual refreshing. And I also think of personal healing. Personal healing. You know, the Bible says in the book of James, you know, come before the elders of the church, let them anoint you with oil, and may they pray the prayer of faith. We do that every week around here at BC in one way, shape, or fashion. You know, the anointing and healing connection in the Bible, you know, is connected a lot. Uh, Oil is also a a type of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think kind of about those various things as I I, uh, expound on this just a little bit further. A lot of times when we think of personal healing, we naturally think of physical healing. That's very, very important. We think of relational healing, financial healing. All those things are very, very important. But I want you to think for just a moment for this illustration about uh, emotional healing, about mental healing, about spiritual healing. You know, in in the Middle East, the shepherd would anoint the flock with oil on different occasions. For example, a sheep would often get caught in the briars, And they would try to get out and they would rip their flesh and and they'd become quite injured. In some cases, some would die in that location. They couldn't break free. They couldn't get out. And they were a sitting duck for, uh, you know, wild predators or or they'd just eventually die from, from the heat or starvation, lack of water, all those kinds of things. The shepherd would somehow get the sheep out of that thicket and apply oil, which became a healing ointment. In addition, the shepherd would use the oil to anoint the head of the sheep because in certain seasons of the year, these nasty, nasty uh, insects would, would make a home in their nostrils or in their eyes or in their ears, and, and they would lay eggs, and it would turn into larvae, and these worms would then just control and dominate and uh, you know attack these sheep until they would go insane. And they would literally, we read, beat their head against the rocks to get rid of that feeling, many of them to their own death. And so the shepherd would anoint them with oil, and that oil became a protective agent to keep the enemy, the insects, away. Now, are you following that, and are you seeing the metaphor? When we pray, we pray, Holy Spirit of God, anoint my head with oil. Because there are times we are tormented. Have you ever been tormented by a thought and you go round and round and round with it? Have you ever felt tormented in your spirit? Have you ever felt tormented in your emotions? Of course you have. We all have. I have. And it just beats away and it, it just kind of erodes your, your peace. But to be able to say, Holy Spirit of God, anoint my head with all. Be that protective agent that keeps me from those evil thoughts or for those bad emotions or for those uh, difficult things that are uh, contaminating my spirit. Friends, that is a powerful prayer to pray. And I just encourage you to take great inspiration from that. Just like the good shepherd in Psalm 23 takes care of his flock, our good shepherd, John 10 says, Jesus is our good shepherd He will take care of you and me. We are sheep in his sheepfold. Powerful, powerful. Mental healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing. So, to summarize this idea of anointing my head with oil, when I think of it, I think of those three things. Eternal blessing, continual refreshing, and personal healing. And it's because of all of that that I can say confidently what we read in verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a powerful, powerful truth. No wonder we go to Psalm 23 over and over and over again when we go through hard, hard things. It's there that we're reminded of how much our Lord cares about us. Now, I want you not only to get that picture but I also wanna share some thoughts from what I believe is Paul's rendition of Psalm 23, verse five. Turn with me to to Romans chapter eight, and we're gonna look at Paul's rendition of this. Now, by way of illustration, uh, I want you to think of all the pictures you take. You know, we have our, our phones, and we're taking pictures of all sorts of things that mean something to us. You know, we, we capture memories. Uh, we get the picture. We take the picture. We remember the picture. We look back on the picture. It reminds us of things that really mean a lot to us. As you know, many of us, uh, uh, 44 of us strong to be exact, uh, made our way to the Holy Land back in April, and we all took pictures, all of us, obviously. We just took two pictures. And... Uh, you know, some of the pictures that, uh, that I look back at, you know, just really resonate in a powerful way to me. This one that you see here is St. Anne's Church right by the pool of Bethesda. It is such a powerful story in the Bible where Jesus healed an invalid who for 38 years could not find healing right here at the pool of Bethesda. St. Anne Church stands on the site in uh, fact, let's go back to that picture one more time. when not you just look at it. St. Anne's Church stands on the site where in Jesus' day existed a Roman shrine of healing. And I find it so powerful that Jesus went to that place that was supposed to be all about healing, where people weren't healed, and he healed a man who for 38 years had been an invalid that nobody could help except Jesus. I'll never forget that place. And I have pictures to reminisce and remind me of it. The next picture that you saw just a moment ago is uh, the pool of Siloam. And this is on the end of Hezekiah's tunnel. Uh, Many of us went through Hezekiah's tunnel. I mean, it's a long, long, narrow, narrow, you know, little walkway. You can barely get through it. You know, it's got water. Sometimes it's up to your waist. It's pitch black. You don't know what's swimming in that water. How many are getting freaked out right now? When we went through, the water was a lot lower. We had headlamps. Uh, But if you have claustrophobia, you know, if you think about it, you just don't want to think about it. Uh, But it empties into the Pool of Siloam. Well, the Pool of Siloam, Hezekiah's Tunnel has its own history, but the Pool of Siloam is where Jesus put mud on the guy's eyes and said, hey, go wash in the Pool of Siloam, and your blindness will go away. I'll never forget that place. Lots of excavation happening right now, a lot more than the last time I was there. It's just a potent, potent... Memory to me of the healing power of Jesus Christ. Someone was blind, but now he sees because of Jesus. There's several other pictures that come to my mind. I think of uh, the Wadi KelT. I've talked a lot about that already, but you know, here we are looking over at this incredible, vast wasteland with these mountain ranges and deep, deep valleys from Jericho up to Jerusalem. Surprisingly, it was one of the most powerfully penetrating visuals for me, because I hadn't really seen it like that before, especially knowing we were going to walk through the 23rd Psalm. I couldn't help but think of the story Jesus told of the Good Samaritan, the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's very, very meaningful to me personally. And then the Jordan River, of course, where many of our folks were baptized. I mean, that's just so potent, where John baptized Jesus and and it's just so beautiful uh, to think about the significance of that And then finally, the Western Wall, where so many devout worshipers go of various traditions to say their prayers. And of course, we go and we pray to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, those pictures are meaningful. So we take the picture, we get the picture, we remember the picture, we memorialize the picture, and in many ways, these pictures are etched in our heart. Well, I wanna encourage you to take that same application to these three thoughts that I want to give you in closing here today, from Paul's rendition of the 23rd Psalm, verse five. He's saying it in his own words, in his own way, in a different context, but to me, it's just really, really, there's a connection there. And I think these three principles, absolutes, convictions, must guide us every single day of our life especially when times are confusing, especially when times are hard. I know some of you are going through some really challenging things right now, especially as you go through the deep, dark valleys of life. These three need to be pictures that come back to our heart and mind regularly. The first one is God is for you. God is for you. You say, Rob, that's a piece of cake. That's simple. I know that. You know, that's a little harder to remember right when you're in the middle of uncertainty, ambiguity, confusion, chaos, or you feel like you've been abandoned. You gotta remember, no matter how you feel, God is for you. He's for you. More than a good shepherd cares for that one sheep, leaves the 99 and goes after the one, God is for you, more than you or I could ever imagine. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for you, who's against you? I mean, this conditional statement you know, begs the question, God's for you, so who cares who's against you? They don't even compare. God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? And then it goes on to really lay the foundation for that statement. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how much not also along with him, graciously give us all things. If he gave his son to die on the cross for your sins so you could have eternal life, Whatever else you need is a piece of cake for God. It's nothing in comparison. He's done the hardest of the hardest of the hardest. He gave his own son to die on the cross for us. And then he goes into a little bit of a a legal conversation. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. I mean, again, he begs the question. Since God is for you, others may condemn you, but Jesus has already said you're acquitted. You're not guilty. If you and I give our lives to Jesus Christ, asking for forgiveness, we are right in God's sight, and we have peace with God, and we have eternal life with him forever and ever. Can you say amen to that? Jesus has done that for us. And I love what Paul says here. There are three reasons we cannot be condemned. Christ died for us. Look at it there in verse 34. He is alive and seated at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us. Like that ancient shepherd did everything in their power to care for the sheep. Jesus has done everything imaginable and more for us. He's for you. Feel abandoned? Feel hurt, feel wounded. Yeah, that's a part of life. It's not easy. But never, ever forget, Jesus is for you. Get the picture, take the picture, think of the picture, remember the picture. What has you down today? What has you discouraged today? What has you despairing today? Remember, God knows, God cares, and he is for you. The second thing that I want you to imprint on your spirit and mind is really, really take this picture and really remember that nothing can separate you from the love of God. What if I sin, what if I blow it? what if this, what if that, nothing can separate you from the love of God? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered." Another reference to sheep. You know, suffering is a part of the believer's experience. I'm not sure who's suffering more today, you having to listen to my voice or me trying to cough it out. Uh, But you know, suffering is a part of, of our experience, isn't that right? I think if we did a little poll here, kind of an unscientific poll, I would say that probably 50% of the people in uh, all of our services would say, man, last week was rough. I went through this, this, and this, and I put that in the supper uh, bucket. It was really a struggle. It's just a part of the believer's experience. But suffering never separates us from God. Look what Paul says. Trouble, no, that's not gonna separate. Hardship, no. Persecution, no. Famine, no. Nakedness, danger, or sore, none of that, none of that, or anything else. It's going to separate you from God. What if I'm not faithful? What if I blow it? God's love for you is far greater than you could ever imagine. Jesus' death on the cross was not fickle. It wasn't temporary. It wasn't, well, maybe. He loves you more than you could ever know. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So don't let suffering dissuade you or discourage you. Probably a week doesn't go by that I don't talk to somebody who says, you know, I feel like God abandoned me, God abandoned me. And, and, and I listen, and, and I get it, and we have probably all had feelings like that. But our feelings are fickle. But the facts of God's word are true. And the Bible says that God will never ever abandon you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll stick closer than a brother. He loves you more than we could ever, ever articulate. You know, this whole idea of suffering is one of the great reasons why people lose their faith. Uh, You know, we bring suffering on ourselves by bad mistakes. Sometimes it's the bad mistakes of other people that fall over on us. Sometimes suffering happens just because we live in a fallen world. You know, why do some children find their way to Children's Hospital You know, why do some people get cancer? We could go on and on. We live in a fallen world where sin and disease exists and pain and suffering is real. And we don't have an answer as to the why. We just know one day we're gonna go to heaven. Well, there'll be none of that. How many are looking forward to heaven? No cancer, no children's hospital, no unfairness of any kind, shape, or form. But this side of heaven, not so much. We may think God abandons us, but he does not. We may feel God abandons us, but he does not. Feelings are unreliable. The fact is what Paul says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You'll go through suffering, Rob, and he calls us all by name. You're gonna go through hard times. Jesus says, in this world, you're gonna have trouble, but hey, I'm there for you. I'm gonna help you, and we're gonna make our way forward. Maybe you feel abandoned today. Maybe this point is just for you, Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And finally, number three, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You say, Rob, I don't always feel like a conqueror. Well, I get that. Neither do I. But that's why I take this picture. I memorize this picture. I look at this picture often. That's why I go to the word of God often to remind myself of what I already know, and that is I am a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? I am a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He is for you. Nothing can separate you from him, and you are more than a conqueror. Those three pictures need to be emblazoned on our mind, our spirit, our heart, our soul. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, the future, any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else will be able to separate us, there he says it again, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I can hear somebody saying, so is this a theological treatise, Rob? You're saying nobody can lose their salvation. Well, you know, I believe that people can walk away from God, I believe people do walk away from God. I believe when the Bible says Judas fell from a position of faith that that he walked away from God. Yeah, I do believe that. I don't espouse the teaching that says eternal security, once saved, you're always saved. But I do believe in the eternal security of the believer. Once you are a Christian and you believe in Jesus with all your heart, nobody can take you away from him. Only you can do that. Only you can say, God, heaven, no thanks. Eternal life, not interested. Forgiveness of sin, forget about it. Peace in my heart in this life, I'm not interested. I want to be miserable, I want to go to hell, and I want to face my own sin. As tragic as that is, it's real. People have made that choice, and that's why we work so hard as a church to do everything in the name of outreach we possibly can. Because why should I stand before you as a saved, forgiven believer, go to heaven, when people all around us have never even heard or understood that there's a God who loves them? We've got to double, triple, and quadruple our efforts to reach as many people at home and around the world to help everybody know that God loves them can you walk away from God? I think you can. But Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. We get into conversations like this in our Basic Christian Beliefs class, and if you haven't taken that class, I strongly encourage you to take it coming in September, and we talk about eternal security. And the way I like to say it is, you know, we can turn from our faith like I just described, but if you put your faith in Jesus and you blow it, he still loves you. Ask him for forgiveness, he'll forgive you. If you're a little bit lethargic or lack devotion, ask God to forgive you. And even if you walk away from God, I believe the hound of heaven is going to pursue you to the point you say, no, thank you. But if you're a believer, I want you to know that one of the things we can know that we know that we know is we are on our way to heaven. Every believer in Jesus Christ is on their way to heaven. That's assurance, that's security. That's confidence. I like to teach whenever I can in whatever classes I'm teaching. Hey, pick one word and build your personal testimony around that word. And my word has always been confident. I am confident my sins are forgiven. I'm confident I'm on my way to heaven because of Jesus Christ. I'm confident that he is with me every single moment of every single day. I am confident in what Jesus Christ has done for me as I see it in God's word. You could say security. You could say assurance. Others like the word peace. Some like joy. Some like hope. Forgiveness, all those are fabulous words. But assurance and security. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Get this, the sheep's security is in the power of the shepherd. When you look at Psalm 23, as long as the sheep are in the care of the shepherd, things are gonna be fine. How much more in John 10, when we see Jesus as our good shepherd, as long as we, his sheep, are in the company of our good shepherd, things are gonna be fine. Our security is in the power and love of the good shepherd. You may not feel like a conqueror, you may not realize you are one, you may not know it, you may not even believe it, but if you're a Christian, you are more than a conqueror. What do you need to conquer here this week? In Christ, an attitude adjustment, a financial mess, A faith crisis, a relationship crash, a family problem, a personal trial, an addictive habit, a sinful lifestyle—maybe something else. Remember two things. Remember who you are. You are a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. Of the you are a son or daughter of God the Father and an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus Christ. And remember whose you are. We are sheep of the good shepherd. We are children of God. Remember who you are, remember whose you are. As we close, I want you just to take a picture of these three things. You anoint my head with oil. Eternal, blessing, continual, refreshing, personal healing. Take those pictures, memorize them, etch them in your spirit and soul. And then secondly, God is for you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Take the picture, get the picture, review the picture, memorize the picture. Look at it often, remember it, think about it. He loves you more than you'll ever know. There's a stained glass window in a church in Verbad, Sweden, that looks like this. And underneath it are these words, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. We live in a world full of chaos and confusion and conflict of every kind imaginable. We are concerned about so many different things. But Jesus says come to me, come to me. All you are weary and heavy burdened, I wanna give you rest. Would you bow your hearts with me? Lord, as we close this service, we take a moment just to practically apply it to our own lives. And one of the things that we want to do, Lord, is we want to make sure that these pictures, these truths, these principles, these convictions are indelibly etched upon our memory, our mind, our spirit, our lives. You promise eternal blessing, continual refreshing, personal healing. You are for us Nothing can separate us from you, and we are conquerors through Christ our Lord. Lord, that gives us hope. That gives us confidence. That gives us assurance. And we are so grateful and so thankful. With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would say, you know, Pastor Rob, one of the things that I need to do here today, knowing about how much God loves me, I realized that I'd been a bit wayward. I've kind of been a little bit lethargic, non-interested in the things of God. But with nobody looking around, just me me and God, how many would raise your hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me in this closing moment. I wanna commit my life to Christ. Just lift your hand and hold it there. I wanna commit or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. You're raising your hand to the Lord, saying, Lord, come into my life. Pray this prayer, if you would. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I want to follow you. I want to put you first in my life. I want to go to heaven one day. I want the assurance and security and confidence to know that you are my God. You are my Savior. You are my shepherd. And all my needs will be met through you. For you who raised your hand or those online that are watching, would you do me a huge favor and just fill out that connection card either in front of you or the digital one online? Just say, "Today, today I prayed the prayer. I want to reach out to you in a very special way. And one of the things I'll remind you of is our upcoming Basic Christian Beliefs class that I recommend to all who are really wanting to get their feet underneath them, spiritually speaking. It's an incredible opportunity to grow in your faith. But let me ask another question. How many would be here today say, Pastor Rob, I am a believer. I am a Christian, a follower of Jesus. But right now, I have a lot of things on my mind. Or maybe it's one thing, but I've got some concerns. I've got some challenges. And I need to turn them over to Jesus right now. Would you just raise your hand all over this place? Maybe it's your family, finances, health, you know, job, it could be any number of things. Yeah, God sees your hand. God, sees your hand. He knows the burdens you carry. He says, come to me. You are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wants you to cast all your cares at his feet. He wants to relieve you. He wants to free you. He wants to give you peace. Lord, I pray your blessing upon everybody that is here today. For those making a faith commitment. For those, Lord, that are unburdening their life and giving you their concerns and challenges, saying, Lord, I need your help, your strength. I'm giving this to you and receiving your peace in return. God, I pray for your blessing for them as well. May we be faithful, Lord. May we be faithful in thinking often about this phrase, you anoint my head with oil, knowing that our God offers us eternal blessing continual refreshing and practical healing, protection against the enemy over torment of the mind, the emotions, the spirit. Knowing that God is always for us, nothing can separate us from the love of God and we can conquer all through Christ Jesus. We pray these things in your precious and holy name, Lord. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me and our prayer team is going to come forward. We're going to sing a closing song and then we'll be dismissed in just a moment. But I invite you to step out from where you are and just come to the prayer team members and let them pray with you. If you committed your life to Christ today, it'd be beautiful for you to step out and just share that with them so they can pray pray a prayer of faith with you. As we get ready to sing our prayer, chapel service leaders and our online service will take charge of those services. But let's sing together. We serve a great God. Amen.